You're listening to Her Heart Heals Divorce Radio. Hi, I'm Christina Cuevas. Seven years ago, I went through a divorce and it completely turned my world upside down. And I'm so glad it did. I documented my healing to share information with other women going through their own divorce journey. And now, with thousands of downloads around the world from divorced women just like you, I'm here to show you how to ditch the shame around divorce and finally heal so that you can regain the confidence to create your most abundant and joyful future. I'm so glad you're here. This is Her Heart Heals Divorce Radio. If you've gone through divorce, you already know that a life event like this can leave us feeling broken and ashamed. Trust me, I can wholeheartedly relate because this was me just a few years ago. Unfortunately, most divorced women make the big mistake of thinking that time will heal this wound, spending months or years carrying this feeling of failure around everywhere they go numbing their pain, or worse, staying closed off to the idea of love again, and that's just backwards. Does this sound like you? I got you. I created a free masterclass called Divorce from Divorce Without Feeling Like a Failure. In this class, you'll discover how to actually move on after divorce so you can finally feel whole and regain your confidence without feeling like you failed. Don't wait. Click the link in the show notes to add your name to the waitlist and be the first to get notified once this class goes live. I won't be offering this for free forever though, so be sure to sign up for this limited offer. See you there. Oh my gosh, I am so grateful that you agreed to come on. I have just been a fan and following you on Instagram. So I was just like, oh my gosh, I have to pick your brain. I'd love to just bring your work to my audience. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as soon as you reached out and just shared what your platform is and the kinds of folks that you reached to, I mean, right away was in alignment for me. That's so similar to my approach and what I'm wanting to bring to people as well that, you know, holistic, full, heart and soul healing. So it was, yeah, no brainer for me. I can't wait to have a session with you and get started. And really <laughs> that's, that's why I, I was following you, but no, that this is awesome. So for those that have never dove into this work or really are just kind of scratching the surface with dealing with working through trauma, what is somatic healing? Absolutely. So somatic healing is based out of somatic psychology. And this word somatic is really the the crux of it all. Soma is body in Latin. And so it means that we're taking a body-focused approach to the psychology, to the well-being of our mental health, our emotional health, and really starting with the body as we look at all of our symptoms and, you know, ideally the root causes. So this is really the bridge of the mind-body languaging that's become so popular. The somatic approach is what gives us body language so that our brain can understand what's going on. And I find that 
when we start operating from the body first, a lot of what resonates for people is it speaks to their experience, the way they've lived, the way they've felt, rather than just the cognitive concepts. Okay, your child influenced your adulthood and you learned how to human through these experiences. There's a different resonance with somatics and somatic healing because we're speaking to the way that you experienced these concepts. And I think that experiential place is really what becomes the meat is that people can sink their teeth into for this practice. You know, as I facilitate it, it it really is that blend of body to mind, but we start with the body first and foremost. Yeah. I was first introduced by way of the book, The Body Keeps Score, and really kind of starting to notice how chronic illness and diseases were sort of manifested by trauma and things that needed to be released in emotional form that our body was kind of holding onto. So that was kind of my first in to the word somatic healing. Now, am I correct in that there's so many different methods? So there's breath work, meditation, EFT tapping, things like that. Are all of those considered tools around somatic healing? Yes. So somatic is kind of this big umbrella. Anything that starts with the body is somatically based. So breath work, EFT, even, you know, approaches like internal family systems, something that's a little more classically therapeutic, like Hakomi, we can still see the somatic emphasis in these practices, as long as the approach really integrates the body, how is your body doing with this? How do we meet the body as a tool? So something like breath work, we would absolutely consider that a somatic tool. Awesome. And is it kind of everybody's different to where some things work for some people more than they do for others? Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I think I think I hear the question is almost like, you know, who does this work for? What kind of person is, you know, the ideal client to benefit from somatic approaches from somatic healing? And, you know, we've all got a body. So in a way, <laughs> all of us could really benefit from this understanding and this deeper sense of how our body is operating and communicating with us. And I find that Sometimes there is a stage in our progress, in our development, where we're ready to kind of dive into that. You know, something really common that folks will say when they come into this practice with me when I start working with somebody is, I don't want to feel that. That feels too big. That feels scary. I'm actually trying to get away from feeling that. And unfortunately, somatics is a modality where we are going to ask you to feel it. Because that is where the feeling is, right? Is in the body. And if we're having to feel it, we're having to tolerate that experience. And so what we're doing is really diving into the discomfort while using these body tools like breath work, EFT, or different intuitive sensing practices that will allow us to be okay at the same time. You can feel it, you can heal it, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And that sometimes feeling it is overwhelming. It's big. It's scary. It's, you know, intense. And so how do we help your body really expand its container? Sometimes I, I use the metaphor with my clients of 
like one of those little Tupperwares that has little dividers for each part of your meal. And that that's really what we're going to do in this practice is help your body figure out, okay, this is where it goes. And this is where the other part sits so that all those things can be present without them overwhelming one another or without one flavor taking over, you know, the whole container. Yeah, that's fascinating. In doing this, some of these practices for myself, I find as well that it's Yes, we can lessen the intensity or things. I think people think that it's almost like an exorcism and it just kind of like releases from the body. But I I have found in my own practice that it's more about, like you're saying, tolerating or just getting to know what's happening. And it's not necessarily that it makes it easier. I guess it's the word I, that comes to mind for me is more familiar. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think familiar is a great word. And I love this concept of befriending that you're bringing in. That really is what I'm trying to help all of my clients find is this sense of relationship to the parts of yourself, to your body. And we're looking at the body as a subjective participant in our life rather than objective it really changes the way that we need to hear what the body is saying. If your body is just the vehicle that takes you through your life, then it doesn't matter the way that your body was impacted because it's an unfeeling, unemotional thing. But if we personify it, say that it's subjective, it's been impacted, it does have an opinion, well, then we have to establish a relationship to hear that opinion, to have that conversation, to do a little give and take and figure out, okay, wow, I see this experience impacted you. And in that way, we really step into another layer of reparenting ourselves that I think, again, brings it to this experiential level, not just the concept of reparenting, but how do you experience that? How are you stepping into those emotions and those practices really by the way that you are treating your body when it is having an experience? How do you show up to engage with it? Yeah. Is that also tied to body image? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if we look at the story that we tell when we look at ourselves in the mirror or the way that we respond to our body when there's something happening, you know, whether it is breaking out in acne or weight or the shape of your body, the color of your body, all of these different aspects, the way we're responding to those is really the message we're telling our body. And that can be so challenging to address because the feeling of like, ugh, I don't like this is so real. And it feels like there's such good reason for that, right? When we're really in the midst of that negative self-talk or the negative image of ourselves in that moment that frustration, disdain, dislike can feel so real. And that push of like, oh, I wish you were different. I wish you could change. Like, why can't you be, you know, whatever it is that we'd like. And or I name find calling that, too. Yes, absolutely. Like, you know, really speaking to ourselves in that way. If we're looking at, at it from this perspective of your body is being impacted, your body can hear you just as like a person you're in relationship with can hear you. We would never we would never speak to a friend that way. We would never make those kinds of assumptions or critiques. And if we do, 
all of it really is an invitation to say, huh, what's underneath there? What is prompting this kind of response and engagement in this relationship? Well, I, I hate this part of my body. Yeah. Tell me about that. Where did you learn that this was something to not like? What tells you that you don't like it? What is it about it that is unsatisfactory? But all of those questions, Christina, that's, that's, I think the turning point for folks, right? In this work, you know, I'm sure for yourself, I know for me, I went through therapists and like understood cognitively that, you know, name calling for myself and this negative self-talk and self-deprecating behaviors weren't helping, but it didn't really change just knowing that that was something that I was doing, that that was bad for me. Something changed when I wanted to have that relationship with my body, when I realized that I could do something about it by being with myself around it. Yeah, I totally relate. So I have gone through weight loss fluctuations my whole life, being the chubby girl on the playground with no friends and then developing an eating disorder in high school to be popular and and just kind of like finding my comfort in food. So then when I would go through a breakup or a difficult time in a relationship, I would go to food for comfort. And so then my weight would increase again. And I just remember like in the gym, when I would be working out, I liked to work out with mirrors in the gym and I would motivate myself by name calling myself. Mm. And I would like push myself, like, come on fatty. I would tell my girlfriends, it motivates me to see my fat jiggle in the mirror. And that all changed once I discovered breath work and other types of modalities for healing and developing that relationship with myself and realizing this body, this vessel has, it's just me and you, you know, Mm. it's just me, myself, and I, we got here. And really developing a relationship as though my body was another entity and finding comfort in that, that's really when I started to look into that relationship of how I was talking to myself, how I was speaking to my body. But yeah, I think the earlier days and looking back at how we treat ourselves, and I even notice it as well with my friends, how they talk about themselves. Or the other day I heard someone say like my stupid bladder, I keep having these issues. And I go, why do you talk about your bladder like that? I'm starting to notice it just more and more about the language that we use when we're talking to other people and referring to ourselves. Mm -hmm. There is this like socially accepted piece to it as well, right? That that would be something people resonate with calling, you know, oh, my stupid thighs, they just, they just won't change. Like I, it doesn't matter how many squats I do or how many miles I run. They just like, they just stay the shape that there is this normalized piece to it that that for many people is something they resonate with. They go, yeah, I do feel that way. I do talk to my body that way. I do hate this part of myself. And it is so interesting. It goes unnoticed right? But I think it is because so much of our, you know, Western culture doesn't see the body as a thinking, feeling thing. It sees it as a vehicle 
it's just a changeable thing. It's, you know, it's just a transporter. And if you want to change it, then just work out harder, eat differently rather than trusting your body to be the shape that it needs to be, to want the things that are healthy for you, right? At the end of the day, we are organic matter and all plants and organic composites are always trying to get back to homeostasis. And I think that's what our bodies are always trying to do. They're always trying to get us back into our safe zone, into our like most optimal functioning. But in order for them to run that way, we have to trust the way they run instead of trying to override them with what our brain thinks the best option is or what our brain thinks is healthy. What if your body got to decide that? Because just like they say that we're all born with unique personalities and unique characteristics, we're all born with unique bodies as well, you know, and it all goes hand in hand with honoring the things that, that we were given. Absolutely. And that what works for my body might not work for yours because we are unique in that sense. Yes, we can use different modalities and they can resonate with us, but they'll resonate with us for different reasons. But, you know, even something small like allergies, I can't eat quinoa. That doesn't mean that quinoa is bad. For some people, that's, you know, that's the superfood. That's the thing that their body wants the most that does runs the best on. For me, it just puts my stomach into knots immediately. And it's hard to grapple with this idea of not black or white information. There's no real concrete right and concrete wrong. There's just a very wide range of gray. And that we can see on that spectrum the ways that we treat ourselves well, the ways that we treat ourselves poorly, and all of this in-between space, right? There are defining behaviors like the treatment of the people we love. We can very clearly say that we want to love and respect those people. And that's one end of the spectrum. And then on the other end, we have folks that need to separate from family, folks that need to place hard boundaries and say, you know what? I actually can't have a relationship with you. And we would see that on the other end of the spectrum. But that gray area, that in-between is really where we live most of the time. And I think folks have such a hard, hard tolerance for swimming through the gray because it's not quite as clear. It's not quite the easy answer. It takes tuning in, it takes slowing down, and it takes a little bit of work. Yeah. My gosh. Okay. I just dove right in with all the questions. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) But I wanted to kind of get back to how did you discover somatic healing work? And can you tell us about the moment where you said, this is my purpose. This is what I have to do. Yeah. You know, I really came to this work from my own place of need. I was using substances, heavily dissociating and really struggling to find and maintain healthy relationships, friendships included. And I had been to therapy quite a few times, really off and on almost my whole life. Finally um, found a somatic practitioner, somatic facilitator really introduced the idea that I wasn't in my body at all. I was actually living from a dissociated place. I was operating and completing my like human functions. I was feeding myself and like was able to hold down a job, but I, I was finding such lack and such 
pain and suffering in my like day-to-day experiences because there was no relationship with myself. It was just this constant fight. Why are you the way that you are? I wish you would change. I hate this part of you. Or I just, you know, really don't like you at all as a being. And I couldn't figure out what that was. And I had sat and talked through it so many times. I thought, I and there's nothing else I can say about it. And this facilitator introduced the idea of, well, yeah, maybe you don't need to say anything else about it. Maybe you need to feel about it a little bit more. Wow. Oh, I know. And it just gets me even when I remember it and talk about it now. But she helped me feel my way through it. And that was really the first time I'd experienced this like both and idea. Yes, you can be in pain. You can experience shame, discomfort, agony, grief, and tolerate it and be okay enough to keep breathing, enough to not internally combust and die in this moment. Both things can be true at once, but that's an adult concept. And so for so many folks that experience trauma at a young age, this isn't something that they can do. And so we do have to wait until we have greater capacity and a greater range to be able to do this work. And so for myself, as I'm doing this work, I was finding these experiences were happening in my life and my work where people would be just dumping their heart out, crying in my arms. And I was coming into my sessions going, I don't understand what's happening. Like what is going on where people are suddenly like gravitating towards me, like pouring their heart out. Like what is happening? This isn't, this isn't as familiar. People had always shared with me. My energy had always been connecting in that way with folks, very empath from the get-go, but there was something different happening. Just like the like total strangers. I kid you not like crying in my arms at work. And I was going into, you know, sessions going, what is happening? And she really helped me see, well, because you've dropped to this greater place, you're holding more space for yourself and other people can feel that other people can feel that there's a greater container here now. And the more of those experiences I had, the more I realized that that was what I wanted to do. This is where I felt the most purpose and fulfillment was really in holding this great container to help somebody find themselves in the same way that, you know, my facilitator had helped me find mine. Wow. Oh my gosh. Talk about a calling. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. Just, it really it just is. Truly. Yeah. It sounds like it just truly, I mean, you truly expanded from the inside out and everybody was just kind of gravitating towards you. Wow. That's amazing. Absolutely. And it really, I think speaks to the intuitive knowing we have, right. That you can walk into a room and just get a vibe. There's a sense or meet somebody new and right away, just get like a feeling like they're a good one or like, Oh, that person, like there was, I don't know, there's just something a little off. We do have that like intuitive reading for people. And I think that that is such a gift that quickly gets squashed in so many of us because we don't necessarily have a culture up until more recently where it's become popular to talk about going with your gut, trust your instincts, know your intuition. And on top of that, trauma really robs us of our connection to that because often it steals the idea that we know our own you know, moral compass between right and wrong, what feels good and what doesn't. And so I think there is there is something in this practice for me about really being authentic. I'm not here to 
hold this container for people from the place of I've finished the journey and I'm at the end. If anything, I actually really practice being transparent, being authentic in my own story. I am still working through my experience because I really do believe that this is a lifelong practice. This is something that I get to do with my body every day. And I think from that place, there is more invitation for my clients, for the following that has showed up to lean into this work with me. You also are an authentic being. You also see this as a lifelong practice. You also want to show up every day for yourself. Feel that for sure. So speaking for myself, because I'm someone that comes from being divorced and kind of going around a trauma. And for me, my divorce was really my catalyst to my healing, everything that came before. I say it over and over again. It really wasn't about my ex or my marriage. It really was about all of the things that led me to marry this person Mm. and really taking ownership around that and trying to figure out, okay, where did I go wrong? Where could I have seen some of the signs that I have ignored, ignored, ignored? And I forgot who's where I learned this from, but basically that the universe will throw a pebble and then they'll throw a stone. And then <laughs> if you continue to ignore it, they will throw a big giant boulder on top of you and you just can't avoid it and you have to deal with it. That was my divorce for me. Yeah. <laughs> So specifically around divorce and for those listening who want to get involved with somatic healing, how can someone recently divorced benefit from this? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Christine, I love, I love that imagery of the pebble, the rock, and then the boulder, and then really the mountainside just sliding down on our heads. God, I resonate. (laughs) That is Indeed, the way that, you know, the universe and really our bodies teach us, it'll just get louder until we, until we hear it. So the piece about relationship and either recently departing from a relationship, going through the divorce process or being on the, that tipping point, there really are like a thousand questions that we can ask a thousand avenues to go down, but they all really start from how does your body feel about this? What's happening in your body in this relationship? What are the stories that come up that you feel in your nervous system? And from that place, how can you step in to take action to take care of this body? Whether it is the experience of shutdown, numbing. Okay, okay, that's where we are. I feel numb. That sounds so hard. What would you need to feel 1% less numb or to feel like you were numb, but you weren't alone. What would you need to feel supported so that you could figure this experience out? And that's really where we can step in to doing the body work and following our gut. You know, if we look at the nervous system, the lining of your gut has over a million neurons that are the same ones that are in your brain, in your amygdala that we use to think about emotion. Over a million, the exact same but your stomach doesn't have a cognitive stream of thought. It doesn't say, you know, Stephanie, I think this is a good idea. It just gets butterflies. It doesn't say, oh, I think that's a bad call. It just feels like a pit. 
right? There's these sensations. And from that sensory place is how the body's communicating with us. Your stomach is thinking. Your gut instinct is like a real processing brain down there, but it's just using different languages. And so for folks that are either coming out of the divorce experience or on the precipice, I would really, really invite you, start to ask your body, start to get curious. What are you trying to tell me? What does this sensation mean? What are you trying to get me to hear? And it's really important that we also get to know like the nuances of your system, of your body. Oh, this feeling in my body, it just feels icky. I want to scratch out of it. It feels like I could throw up if I stay in this emotion for a second longer. Okay, good. Beautiful intuition, good knowing, good tracking. From there, what do you think that is trying to convey to you? Oh, there's something about this experience that literally makes me want to throw up. It makes me sick. Something about this experience makes me feel sick. Oh yeah, this experience makes you feel sick. And from there, what would help you manage that feeling of sick? What would help your stomach settle a little bit? Is it leaving for a few breaths? Is it taking extra time? Is it knowing that you're not alone? Oh gosh, it makes me feel sick because I think it it was my fault. Oh, it makes me feel sick because I just realized they're treating me poorly. And getting curious, starting to unpack, I think of it like a ball of yarn and you're just going to pull on that thread. Just keep pulling that thread, let it unravel. And when you can let it unravel, I find that your body will actually give you all the answers you need. I'm like just writing my whole page is completely (laughs) filled with notes. That is, that is beautiful. And it truly is really like a ball of yarn, really where, where we started with that question and to where it ended, it just got so simplified. Wow. That's very powerful. Simplified feels like a key word there. I think when folks come into this work, everything feels like the unknown, but when we distill it down, we're actually pretty, pretty basic beings. You know, we, you know, need love, reassurance, affirmation, validation, but all of those things really come from a sense of presence and togetherness. And I think if we can bring that to our body, that sense of like, I'm here with you, with you, everything else just unfolds naturally. That's beautiful. So Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I personally love getting support from other people in this work is because a lot of the times when I am in a active triggered state, because I too am you know, recovering every single day. And when I'm in an active triggered state, everything goes black. It's like, I've done all of this work and I have hundreds of hours of training, <laughs> reading all these books, and I'm sure I could find the answer. But in that moment, everything goes black and I know nothing. And so all of these questions are beautiful, but if someone is in a active triggered state, do you have some type of a quick tip or something that could be easy to remember to help them come back into their body? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, what you're describing is literally your brain shutting down when you're in a triggered state. You know, we know that if your fight flight 
is activated, your prefrontal cortex. So the front part of your brain that uses logic and understands long-term consequences, that part shuts down. So you, you literally can't think your way out of it. It's why so many of us, when we're triggered, we feel irrational. We are. Our rational, logical thinking brain is not turned on. That part of the factory is turned off. You're spot on. That's exactly what's happening. So to manage that, to cope with that, what we have to do is meet ourselves in the experience first, in that triggered state. It's like with little kids. We can't explain adult concepts to them until they are regulated because we need their thinking brain to be online to understand these concepts. We're exactly the same way. We're just a bunch of, you know, adult-sized children, really. (laughs) Yes, totally believe that. (laughs) Exactly. And so if we're going to try to get ourselves to see the logic or see this present day as a true reality, we have to meet whatever is also present, you know, the trigger. And to do that, what does your body need to feel validated, to feel affirmed, to feel like it has permission to feel whatever it's feeling? The way that our brain can see the difference between past and present is very different than the way our body does. Our body sees present day and is looking for anything familiar to help it understand what's going on. It's all nonverbal. So it's all the sensory pieces. And so if I am, if I am in a conversation with somebody, a stranger or a friend, and they use phrases like my parents used when I was a kid to scold or shame, my body is going to respond to that. Even if that person isn't my parent, even if that person isn't talking about me at all, the familiarity is what your body picks up on. And so we have to be able to pause and notice that. The pause and catch is actually our greatest tool in somatics because what it does then is give you that ability to both notice what's happening and choose how you'd like to engage. And if we're going to choose how to respond, we have to be able to regulate ourselves enough to make that cognitive choice, right? And so by pausing, slowing it down, disengaging either from the moment or the trigger itself, you know, it might be that in that conversation with that person, I don't have time to do that. So it might just be internal. I'm going to pause for myself. And I know for me, the thing I do the most is put a hand on my chest to just contact my body and let my body know, oh, I see it. There's that trigger. I feel it. I'm with you. And by pausing and then connecting to our body, that's the first thing we needed as kids, right? Is we were having an experience that we didn't understand. It was big. It was scary. It was overwhelming. And we didn't know what to do with it. We'd never been a human before. So we didn't know what to do with an experience like that. And if somebody had come towards us, if somebody had been with us and said, whoa, are you having a feeling right now? We would have been like, yeah, I'm having a feeling. I don't know what to do with it, but something's happening and that's Mm -hmm. it. Okay. Something is happening. Let me come towards you. Let me be with you and let's figure it out together. And that's what we want to do with the body. So that pause, and I feel like I'm going to say that a hundred times today, but the pause, whether that is a deep breath, closing your eyes, putting a hand on the chest, you know, literally turning yourself around. I know for work, sometimes after a session in my office chair, roll away from my desk and literally just like let myself spin in my chair just to 
ooh, just to move, just to break the moment, just to kind of have a pause to be just with me, nobody else, no other spaces, no other obligations, just you and that feeling. Let's just be together in that. And so there's all these little things that we can do, but the really, the really big edge there is about accountability. When you are having that experience, when you notice that like black start to go, the triggers start to fire, we have to choose to pause, which is so tough. We have to notice that it's happening and then choose to pause before we can make any sort of executive functioning decision. And I think that is where like the accountability comes in. You can have the tools, but we can, you know, bring a horse to water, but we can't have, you know, force it to drink. And I think that's where really the turning point is for most people in this work. Yeah. I keep going back because I had wrote in big, bold letters and circled it on my paper with you. And Mm -hmm. that was really the theme of your answer here too. And it's so powerful. And I even feel like my own emotions rising. I'm not even in an active triggered state, but just (laughs) when you describe, you know, the hand on the chest, I think even having some type of automatic response that I know that I do when Mm -hmm. we all say like, Oh, I always do that thing. Maybe we can all just have a thing that we do before our brain gets there. Right. Or like our body can respond first and we can say, okay, I'm going to put the hand on my chest. I love, I love that. And Mm -hmm. like I said, having that statement with you, I'm with you and I'm here. That is very powerful. You know, and the hand on the chest is I'm meeting the body, right? I'm not trying to get rid of it. I'm not trying to make it go away. I'm just letting it know I'm here. And we can do that in a variety of ways. You know, some people are runners, some people are yogis, some people are, you know, contemplative dishwashers, myself included for that one. doesn't matter what the thing is, as long as you are engaging your body from this contemplative connective place. That can be, again, doing dishes, sitting on the floor, going for a run, taking 10 deep breaths, whatever the thing is, the underlying theme is I'm with my body. I'm connecting to my body. Very Mm. important. So for those who are now like just at the edge of their seat and saying, how can I get in touch with Stephanie? I need to work with her immediately. Do you have space? Are you taking on -on one-on-one clients right now? So I do work with individual clients right now. My, my calendar is full, but I do have a couple of folks that work with me, other facilitators that are somatically trained and trained to facilitate in the style that I approach folks from. There's also a 30 day course that I really, really just poured my heart and soul into that is a really good beginning step for folks who are just hearing about somatics or just being introduced to this idea that your body has an opinion. It's called 30 days to embodiment and gives you a ton of experiential activities via video where I will actually walk through the exercise with you, giving you journal prompts and prompting questions to help you dive in deeper to establish that relationship so that you can really create your own practice, your own relationship to yourself. And for folks who are, you know, wanting to do a little more deep dive work, again, I've got some folks on my team who have availability right now for us to be able to take more folks in. Awesome. 
I will be sure to link your Instagram, your website. I'll also be sure to grab the link for your 30-day course as well. For those of you that are interested, you can find her at Stephanie Somatics on Instagram. I highly recommend everybody go follow her because (laughs) just there is so much, so much wisdom that comes through there and it's so helpful. So thank you for sharing this information with everybody. It's so needed. Like I said, for me, for myself, I get so much out of it. So thank you. Absolutely. It's such a, an honor to get to share this work. When I had started the social media account, you know, a couple of years ago, I had made it just to be able to talk about this, that this was a modality, this is out there. And I was in the process of looking for jobs after graduating from school and was having to explain to clinicians in the field, somatic therapy is a thing. This is a way that we can address trauma. This is way a way we can understand a client's experience better. And that blew my mind that people didn't know. (laughs) And so I am always just so, so moved by how many people this work resonates with, because I want everyone to know this is a thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it truly is. And I'm sure you, you can relate too, but it's like, even from interacting out in my community and you see so many things on whether it's on TV and things that people are listening to and content that other people are absorbing and, you know, society conditioning and things like that. And somatic healing, I believe truly is going to be the way that we stay grounded and we stay connected and that we realize the things that are most important because there's so many things out there that make it seem like we have to be someone else, follow this other thing. And we lose sight of where our home is. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. And what a beautiful, beautiful remembering process to find that your home is actually within yourself. Want to learn more? I'm going to add a link in the show notes to the website, herheartheals.com. And there you can access all of my helpful tips, the blogs on there, and schedule a session with me. Are you on Instagram? I'd love to connect. You can follow me and my handle is at herheartheals. Hope to connect with you soon.